Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Most of you this morning are glad you're not me right now. How do you follow the... Am, am I wrong? Yeah, no. How do you follow that? Uh, I need to get a hat. I need to get a pink pullover. And uh, I, I do like Nike. I do have Nike shoes, but not on this morning. So, anyway. hey, Franklin, thank you. Thank you. Um, what Franklin shared this morning is so much in line with where we are, where we want to go as a church, where we want uh, to walk with you. We want you to walk with us as we keep going. Um, I want to just keep going and uh, off of what Franklin said this morning and, and read to you uh, a spoken word uh, from, written by uh, a great hymn writer of the 1800s. This is what he said. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses uh, and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses and he walks with me. And he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing, and the melody that he gives me within my heart is is ringing. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He walks with me, he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I wish I had this memorized like Franklin. This, this song, this hymn, uh, is, is the, the description of this sweet conversation uh, with God, this sweet friendship with Jesus. Honestly, that's all that keeps me faithful and, and wanting to continue to walk with God. Otherwise, I'd fall away. I would step away from him. I'd step away from his church. I'd step away from everything. It's that relationship. Uh, this hymn was, was my grandmother's uh, favorite hymn. Um, my grandmother, I, I wish you could have known her. She was an amazing woman. Uh, she was uh, r- really, you could say, pretty much poor her, her entire life. Uh, she was the, the mother uh, of my father and four other boys. She worked hard. She was uh, uh, the wife of a farmer, and uh, she, was, she worked in the garden. She uh, survived uh, all kinds of family tension, family disturbances. There was probably never a time in her whole life when there wasn't some, some kind of a family tension that was taking place, some kind of uh, family disturbance or arguing or something that took place. And, but she continued to smile because uh, she had this sweet, sweet understanding of Jesus. Uh, she survived church politics. She survived family tension. She survived poverty. She survived life. And when she died, this hymn was played at her funeral because my granny uh, requested this hymn. She wanted this to be played. She said because uh, she told me she was playing a, sort of an off-key piano with me one day in her house. She said, I want this to be played at my funeral because this is how I know Jesus. 
as she talked about this hymn, she would talk about going out to the garden, literal garden. They had a garden in front of their house that she uh, was faithful to every single year. Oh, the food that came out of that garden. Oh, my goodness. My granny, my granny could, could, could garden. She was extraordinary. And she said, I, she said Brian, I, I go out there, and um, I, I just speak to Jesus, and Jesus speaks to me. I, I'm convinced, uh, and I don't know about you, but I'm convinced that the, the reason why maybe we would decide to step away from Jesus uh, is because maybe we've never experienced this Jesus that my granny knew, this this kind of Jesus that we can talk to and walk with, the one who, who speaks to us, the one who loves us, the one that uh, comforts us. I don't know how you walk away from Jesus if you've really met him. I know people do, but I'm not sure how. I think about walking away from Jesus, and I, I don't know how I could. I could walk away from religion Yesterday, tomorrow, uh, I could walk away from church politics in a heartbeat. Uh, I could walk away from all kinds of things in this world. But I would find it very difficult to walk away from Jesus. Why? Because I've experienced his love. I've experienced his friendship. And it'd be hard for me to leave him. I believe that without Jesus, we're troubled. I believe that without Jesus, we are joyless. Loveless, friendless, powerless, purposeless. And I believe without him, we are prone to stumble. We are prone to, to walk away into areas that destroy us. Uh, I would say this. We, we are essentially unplugged from, from our lifeline. We are completely unplugged from the source of all life when we step away from Jesus. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. With Jesus connected, anything is possible. The one and only God who chooses and calls us is the God of complete competency and sufficiency. With him, we are fruitful. Apart from Jesus, we are completely incompetent and insufficient. We have no capacity. We're one week away from celebrating the resurrection. Jesus, who is Jesus, the resurrection and the life? We're one week away from celebrating that. The resurrection is the evidence of the living God, the one who sits today at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for us day and night. The living Jesus today right now is, is praying on your behalf to his Father. He's pleading your case this morning. We know that to be true. Who is Jesus? Jesus is our lifeline. John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Without him, you can do nothing. We have no capacity outside of Christ. This is what he says. He says, dwell in me. Jesus said, dwell in me and I'll dwell in you. Live in me just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding vitally connected to the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches, whoever uh, lives in me and I in him bears much fruit. However, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Jesus, who's Jesus? He's the true vine. He's the, he's the life source. He's our lifeline. The, the history of this, the, the picture of this, 
you know, Jesus is talking to his disciples before he's crucified. And what is this picture of the vine? I am the vine. Uh, I, I, most of us who've never been around a vineyard don't really understand what that would be, unless you're maybe, you know, uh, the Bassing Dwights who had a vineyard. They understand vines. Uh, if you've, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, a vineyard, but this idea of Jesus being the vine, being the source, the lifeline is what he's saying. The people he would be talking to, Jesus and, and John, um, who he's talking to in that day and that moment, would understand the vine. Because Israel, their nation, uh, their nation was, was represented as a, a grapevine. Uh, this picture of a grapevine was, was posted on front of the temple. It was on the doors of the temple. And they understood Israel, their nation, to be the vine. And Jesus is saying, I'm the vine. This is a huge statement. Basically, what Jesus was saying was, is that I know that you consider that Israel, your nation, nationalism to be your source of life. I'm telling you that I am the source of life. Huge. The vine was massive. These, this vine stamped onto the doors of the temple. People who actually worshipped in that temple, sometimes they would melt gold down that they owned of jewelry and they would give it to artists who would actually add another branch to this vine of the door of the temple. And you can just imagine these priests and Sadducees and others walking into the temple and, uh, and pointing out their vine. That's my vine, you know, that's stuck on the door. This is huge for them. They understood this, this picture, this idea. When Jesus says, I'm the vine, he's saying, I am greater than your nationalism. I'm greater than your culture. I'm greater than all the things that you hang on to for life. This world, everything in this world that you hang on to for life, I am actually better than that. I'm the vine. I'm the source. I'm the lifeline. Without me, you can do nothing, he says. This morning, uh, you're probably asking yourself, okay, what, what is he talking about? Nothing? I think if I interviewed any of you this morning, you could tell me everything you did this week, right? You're busy? Everyone busy? Everyone busy this week? If I looked at you and said, you've done nothing this week, it probably would be offensive to you, wouldn't it? Unless you sat home, you know, for a whole week and did nothing. Maybe you would say, yeah, you're right. I've been a lazy person this week. But nothing, nothing. What defines nothing? What really is nothing? When you get right down to it, nothing is defined as anything done outside of God's purposes. Anything you do that's not part of God's purposes and his plans is called nothing. A boy comes home from school and his parents ask him, what did you do at school today? Nothing. I don't know why guys are like that, but they're like that. A wife comes home and, and uh, asks uh, ask her husband, you know, what they're thinking about, and husband says nothing. And by the way, that's really true, uh, if you're wondering. You think maybe they're hiding something from you. No, no, no. They really are thinking about nothing. Guys have that. It's like a superpower. Guys have the ability to actually think about nothing. And just a heads up, a little, little caveat here, a little tip for you, uh, girlfriends and wives, as you, as, you, as you contemplate the future of your life with this man, understand that by trying to pull something out where there is nothing is, is futility, all right? Because where there is nothing, there really is nothing. 
Now, women, for you, there's always something there, right? Exactly. Now, a guy can ask, what are you thinking about? And there's this, this like a week of conversation that I mean, my wife really is thinking about something all the time. I've had to learn that. I didn't realize that it's, it's, it's unbelievable that the woman's mind that is always contemplating. But guys, nothing. <laughs> but guys want to live for something, right? There's not a single guy here in this room that doesn't desire to have purpose in their life. Uh, we, we don't function very well when we don't live for something. Nothing is defined as anything done outside of God's purposes. This is what Paul said in Philippians 3. He says, I count everything else of loss compared to knowing Jesus Christ, of whom I've, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That was Paul's perspective, one guy's perspective, that nothing in this world meant anything to him except for knowing Christ. Everything else is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus Christ. This is what he said. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to him in his death. Knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection was and is something. It's everything. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. We have purpose. For without me, you can do nothing. Look, John 13 through 16 is this sweet words of Jesus to his disciples. John 13 is that, that chapter where we read that Jesus took the, the, the feet of the disciples and washed their feet, having intimate conversation with him. We move on to John 14. John 14, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Look, you have to understand that when Jesus says, I'm the lifeline, his motivation in telling us that is that he wants you to understand that you don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be joyless. You don't have to, to be purposeless. Jesus is the source of all peace, joy, purpose, direction. That's the invitation of Christ. He says this. This is all through the book of John. John 6, verse 35. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Uh, John 7, verse 38. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Uh, John 11, verse 25. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. John 12, verse 46. Whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. We will see our purpose. We will see the revelation of God. We will see life. He said, if you believe in me, you're going to do greater things. Greater things. You think, How can I do greater things than Jesus? But we see this, right? We see this in Acts chapter 2. We see... We see Peter preaching his first sermon. How many were added that day? 3,000 people actually believed and repented and decided to follow Jesus. That's the greater things that Jesus is talking about, this fruit bearing. You're going to do greater things than I did because I'm going to the Father. I'm going to send you the Spirit of God. Jesus motivates us this way. When he says, I'm the vine, he says, I'm the vine, and therefore you don't have to be troubled. You can have peace. You can have joy. Your prayers will be answered. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan anymore. You, you will have a home. You'll have a father. He says in John 14, he says, I'm going, I'm going ahead of you. In my father's house what, are many what? Are many rooms. He says, I wouldn't have told you this if it wasn't true. There's a place for you. There's an eternal place with me. Gracious me. 
in Christ is everything. Without him, we can absolutely do nothing. Jesus motivates us. I don't know if you, if you don't know Jesus this way, then, then you've not experienced this kind of joy. And, and therefore, it, it might be easy for you to say, okay, I can step away from this. Maybe you haven't experienced this kind of peace. Most of us live our lives with this continual constant cortisol being injected into our, our system because of tension. This chemical that secretes in our body destroys our body. If we live on a consistent, consistent state of tension and stress in our lives, our bodies can't handle it. And a lot of us are at that point where our bodies are saying, enough. I can't take any more cortisol secreted into this system. It's destroying me. It's destroying my immunity. It's destroying my joy, my, my health. A lot of us live in that kind of an environment, whether it's your home environment or work environment. You live in this continual state of tension. And it's killing you. You're not living. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. Peace I leave with you. Not the peace of this world, but peace. True peace. Can you imagine a life without cortisol secreting, flowing through your system every day? Cortisol, that chemical that, that's secreted when you're in your body when you're under tension. Your body cannot handle it long term. But we live there. We're parked there. Jesus says, come to me. Don't be troubled anymore. Come. Come to me. Remain in me. Stay with me. Be my friend. Hang out with me. And you'll experience not just joy, but abundant joy. Overflowing joy. Peace. I love what he says in John 15. He says, I don't call you friends, servants anymore. I call you friends. John 15, 5. John 15, 15. John. <laughs> John, John, that one, yes. Anyway. Uh, the friendship of our Savior. Wow. John 16 uh, concludes with this. These things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Saying, I'm telling you all of this. Yes, so you'll have joy. Yes, so you'll have peace. Yes, so you'll do greater things than I've done. Telling you all these things so that you will not walk away. The word stumble here is a scandalizo. It's this incredible Greek word. Impress your friends later today. You can use that word. It's a scandalizo. A stumbling block. It says, I don't want you to stumble away from this sweetness. I'm telling you all these things because I want you to be able to continue to walk and continue to experience the sweetness. Only in Christ is our lifeline. Without him, we can do nothing. Nothing. Abiding, this dwelling with him, John 15, 5, abide in me. I'm the true vine. Stay with me. Dwell with me. Hang out with me. Continue. Dwell. Remain. Stand. Don't rush off. Hang out with me. It's inviting us to this. He motivates us with peace, joy, fruitfulness, greater works, a home, a father, friendship. And because we're friends, we begin to understand the significance, what it means to, to really abide. This the truly walking with Christ moves us not just from this moment, maybe where we said, okay, I want to be saved, 
but it moves us into this sweet friendship with our Father, with the living Jesus, who is the resurrection, living today, interceding, be, be, interceding to his Father on our behalf. That, that Jesus wants to be our friend. It's, it's a mind-boggling uh, concept for us, but friendship, friendship above all. Up to that point, the people he was talking to, the only one they knew who had ever been a friend of God was Abraham. Abraham was the only one they'd ever heard about that was the friend of God. Who was Abraham? Abraham was the father of this vineyard, uh, their nation, Israel. Abraham, the father of Israel, was the only one who had ever had friendship with God. Uh, scripture, we can see it all through the Old Testament. Abraham is called the friend of God. Whenever, often when God makes reference to Abraham, we see in the Old Testament, he says, Abraham, the friend of God. The, the Jews would have understood this. They would have understood that this friendship was only possible with Abraham, but not since Abraham. Jesus now is saying, I don't call you, I don't call you slaves anymore. I call you my friend. I'm the vine. He says, I'm the vine, which means I'm, I'm the new nation. I, I, I'm not Israel. I am the new Israel. And I am your friend. Like Abraham, we can be friends. I find that absolutely incredible. You know, it's interesting that John, the, the, the apostle John, was the only one who, took about, who talked about actually hanging out with Jesus, abiding, dwelling with him walking with him as friends. The only one who talked about it really in depth. Uh, Luke describes, uh, Dr. Luke in the book of Luke describes events of Christ. Uh, Mark and Matthew and John record the anointing of Jesus. But John is the only one who talks about hanging out with Jesus. I love it. Matter of fact, if you, I encourage you to go and read John, of how much John talks about and brags about his relationship with Jesus. Um, in John 13, so John wrote this, talks about how he was reclining with Jesus, but not just sitting with Jesus. He was laying on Jesus' chest as they were hanging out. John 13, 23, there, there was reclining on Jesus' breast one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. John talks about how, listen, I'm the one that Jesus loved. I didn't just sit with Jesus, man. When I was with Jesus, man, I was laying on his chest and we were talking. That's really close, guys. And, and for a lot of us, that's a bit too close. <laughs> Jesus loved John, and John loved Jesus. That's all through Scripture, all through the book of John. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. So basically the, 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 the family, the, the mantle of, of family was passed on to John from Jesus when Jesus was on the cross. This is all through the book of John. When, when John ever refers to himself in his book, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. It's that kind of intimacy, though. It's that kind of friendship that we are invited to. Look, I understand, you know, I understand why people split up if you're a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife. Often, and most of the time, it's because there wasn't this kind of sharing of intimacy. Jesus says, I call you friends because I've shared everything with you that my father told me. I've not kept anything back. 
True friendship is the sharing of classified information, right? Jesus is saying, if you were my servant, I would have, you would never know what I was about. But because we're friends, I've told you everything about everything my father's told me, I've shared with you. And therefore, we are friends. A lot of marriages and relationships break up because one, one or the other was, was unwilling to share classified information. Do you have classified information you're keeping from your girlfriend, boyfriend, your spouse, your friends? Classified, only I get to know, only I get to understand, only I get to have this information cannot be shared with anyone else. And very often that's why your relationships don't work is because you don't, you don't share your heart. I spoke recently to uh, a young lady who is, is about to get married, and they were saying one of the things that makes their relationship so good is that they have this, it's a safe place with each other. They're able to share everything. They've shared all the classified information of their past, and they still love each other. And they continue to, to be open and honest about those things. Jesus invites us to a relationship where we are exposed to his classified information, right? We, we get to hear his purposes and his plans. We get to hear how he feels, what he's thinking. We get to share that with him as well, what we're thinking and what we're doing and about. That, that's a relationship. That's an enticing relationship, right? Maybe your picture this morning is of a picture of, of, of a, a kind of a, a religious experience instead of a relationship. And maybe that's your whole picture of Jesus Christ is, is church. Maybe that's all it is, or, or religion, or politics. Everything that is outside of this intimate, wonderful friendship that we can have with Jesus. Abai says, dwell with me, hang out with me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And he invites us to continue to dwell with him, to tarry, because he is the vine. He's the source. He's our lifeline. He's the source of all life. And so I need to do whatever I can to walk with him. Jesus says when he, when he went and he was crucified, came back to life, when he ascended back into heaven, what happened? He sent the Holy Spirit, right? That's what Acts is about. That beginning of the book of Acts is the story of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. And so that the Spirit could, could be with anyone. All of a sudden now everyone can have access to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is necessary for that friendship. The Spirit of God is necessary for this walking and direction, this constant comfort, this leading, hearing God's voice. That's why my granny could stand in a garden and walk and talk with Jesus. You, you, you read the lyrics of this hymn and you think, this is, pop, uh, this is just fairy tales. It's like, who, who walks and talks with Jesus? Really? You talk to anyone who's been loved by Jesus. You talk to anyone who's known him, and they will tell you the same thing. Oh, it's sweet to walk with Jesus. It's sweet to hear his voice. I couldn't live without it. My granny could not live without Jesus because she had experienced living friend Jesus. And she was faithful to her Jesus until the day she died. And continues to be an example to this grandson and to many, many others of, of what it means 
what it really means to be a child of God. Something beyond the church, something beyond religion, something beyond doctrine. All those are important. But honestly, we're being invited into relationship, which transcends all of those things that we're irritated with God about. Sweetness with God. Wow. That's what you're invited to. That's what I'm invited to. It's possible this morning that some of you here have never experienced that. Before you decide to walk away completely, why don't you actually let yourself come before God and say, okay, God, I want that. I want friendship. I want relationship. And I can assure you that once you've met him, once you've experienced his love for you, it'll be hard for you to walk away. You'll just want to continue to walk with him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace. Lord Jesus, you are the vine. You are the source of life. Lord Jesus, we've placed so much hope in so many things. But Father, you are the source of all good things, Father. In you, we really can be fruitful. In you, Father, we can have joy and peace. Lord Jesus, we give you praise this morning. Thank you that you are the vine. Lord, it's your name I pray. Amen. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.